We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe. Joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay, and today we have a special guest, Matt Hicks. Thank you so much for joining us. It is a pleasure to have you here. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Matt at WispyTheKid, myself at StayFunLaco, and Matt Hicks, our guest. The other Matt, I guess, today, VFF underscore educator. Probably better. Matt, it's good to have you join us today. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to be here. I love listening to this show, so I'm glad to be on it. And I got to say, I didn't get your Twitter handle till you said it out loud. <laughs> and now I get it. There we go. There we go. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good reminder because I'm a bit of a stick in the mud. Uh, take take things way too seriously. Sorry, mine says I'm a kid and I'm 32. <laughs> well, you are a kid. That's what I get for creating a handle at in 2009. Uh, no, you, you are. A, you are a kid um, off the top. I am forever off the top here for you, Matt. I've got a bone to pick with you. Um why do you hate carrot cake? Oh my gosh, it's bad. And it's so it, it's good. not a good cake. Who takes cake and is like, you know, what would be good vegetables. Vegetables would be good <laughs> on this cake, but with enough sugar. I, I will say, come on. Well, you might you might as well have a cream cheese cake because the the, <laughs> the argument for everybody was that the cream cheese frosting was really good, but you could slap that on anything and make it good. And I do. He makes a point. <laughs> he makes a point there. Carrot cake is the cake that you get when you're wanting to, like, say you ate a semi-healthy cake. And really, you just ate four pounds of cream cheese oh, frosting. So, so good. I, I'm not with you. I will eat a good carrot cake uh, because I just have a uh, my wife's friend is like a very good baker. But at the same time, I mean, if you're giving me other cake options, I'm going with other cake options. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a huge cake guy. I'm more of a pie person. But carrot cake is so, so good. Um, I by the way, I'm very happy that was the CC you, you were asking about because I genuinely was confused. Yeah. Um, for our listeners, uh, I just came in there and saw CC4W. So I assumed Stefan wanted me to uh, 
give everyone my credit card information. So um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, my wife would, in fact, kill me. So we'll, we'll save that for a later date. So, so Matt, guest Matt, we need to figure this out. This has been one of the things I've been stressing, thinking about today's episode is how foolish was I to have, we have two mats on the show and I'm the host. So now I'm going to be like kicking it to Matt. Jerk. And I don't know. I, I it's, We just need to figure this out off the top. Just call him Matt and I'll be okay. Jerk. That's that fine. Works. It's established. <laughs> yeah. It's just like every, every grade school classroom. I'm sure we're both in. So there's always like three mats. Yeah. 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 There was always only one Stefan. So I always got pretty lucky. <laughs> But what you what you been up to? What, what what are you working on these days? I know you've been doing your a lot of your rookie profiles. How's that been going for you? It's good, man. It's it's draft season. It's rookie season, which is great. Uh, but what's really fun at this time of the year is I already have people itching for the Devi rankings too. So it, it's a fun time of the year. It's it's that perfect, I think, you know, kind of uh, blend of the two seasons coming together. So March and April is always you know, a ton of fun until we get past the draft and we really kind of focus on on Devi and college football. So it's, it's a really fun in between period, you know, itching for some spring practices to kick off. Uh, but, you know, it, it's good keeping busy right now. You know, Rookie Big Board, uh, that's on YouTube. It's a podcast, uh, you know, Rookie Big Board uh, through the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the FF Educator. And of course, you know, doing putting out Debbie in Dynasty content at, at si.com slash NFL slash draft. So, you know, trying to keep busy the best we can. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, um, love your stuff over on your Patreon. I was very impressed, and uh, we're gonna get into it. That's what we're gonna spend the bulk of our show on is kind of talking about Devi, uh, looking at some of the areas where we agree, players we disagree on, and 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 mainly, I just like having someone on other than other than jerk face over here to uh, to to help with uh, reining me in a little, so that my love for certain players. Um, doesn't get out of hand, but also the players that I love that he just likes to shit on. Um, like there's one guy I can't wait to talk about because I'm also a fan. And anytime his name comes up, jerk face is just really mean to me. Is it Micah no, Pittman? No. <laughs> no, Micah Pittman. He's just Micah terrible. Pittman, uh, is, he has a soft spot in my heart, but no, he's not near relevant enough. Um, but we'll get into all of that. Um, before we jump in any further though, we need you to answer a question for us because this is uh, I should have probably asked this before inviting you on because it could be no. reason for just hitting st- st- the stop button up here. But uh, if, if you had the number two pick in the NFL draft, you go in fields or Wilson. I mean, I, I know who I'm talking to here. We're taking fields. <laughs> there we go. I mean, you can say your honest no, opinion. I understand I, the justification for, um for zach wilson it's just wrong <laughs> it, it's, for me it's not i mean i i like that it's a conversation because it's fun to have conversations but for me it, it's really not even a conversation uh, justin fields is way closer to one for me than he is three uh not that i'm saying he's better than trevor lawrence that's not the argument i'm trying to make here but i think right. he's far and away better than insert quarterback three because i think trey lance and zach wilson both have really good claims to that uh, so yeah, it, it would be pretty easily Justin Fields for me, but you know, selfishly, I, I'm glad I would be very happy if the Jets didn't take Justin Fields, let him fall <laughs> to Atlanta or Carolina. I would be plenty happy with that. That's the dream right now is Atlanta has been my, my hope since, uh, since it all started shaking out that way. And I'm just like, Oh, he wants to go, let him go back home to Georgia, let him become the hero and let him throw a couple years to Julio and a lot of years to Calvin Ridley. I would love it, man. And fantasy football just skyrocket value. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yeah, no, that that would be that would be fun. I I'm sure you guys saw Chris Sims released his quarterbacks, and not only did he have <laughs> Chris Sims is a fucking. Not moron. only did he have Wilson ahead of Fields, he had him ahead of Trevor Lawrence. I was like, come on, dude! Like now we know you're just looking for some. Oh yeah, that's where, where you were going. You... I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. Fields had, Fields was six in his rankings. He had Kelly yeah. Mond ahead of. My goodness. Mm. That was a, hey, guys, I want everyone to talk about me type and of here we are. <laughs> well yeah. done. Well yeah. done. No, that's uh, it's all pretty. It's all pretty ridiculous. Hey, Matt, do you want to take us through some of the news and notes uh, from the last couple of weeks since we were on last? I'm assuming you're talking yep. to me and not our guest to just right. lead us through notes. So I'll jump in this. So the biggest uh, actually, let's go. Let's get let's get this terrible one out the way. Les Miles was uh, is out at uh, Kansas because one, he was a terrible football coach. And two, there were really bad harassment and all kinds of bad stuff happening at LSU. It's fine. Les Miles was not a good coach. Les Miles was the guy they hired because, hey, it's Les Miles. He's won a national championship. This is fun. Let's be all excited. Uh, That was a terrible hire at the time. Uh, Thor Nystrom, I never get his name right. Thor, he's a huge Kansas fan. And one of the things that he was calling for when they did that was a triple option coach. Um, I don't know if I would go full on triple option. I do kind of like the idea of Munkin coming in as their head coach because that would be a a, a hire that is building in a, a culture and trying to just do things differently. But I mean, I'm if they could get Willie Fritz to come over from Tulane, that is my I, that would be the dream hire for me. But I guess I'll throw this back to you guys. If you're Kansas, you know that you're going to be at a talent disadvantage. What kind of coach are you looking for? Are you looking for someone who's just going to come fix culture? Are you looking for a particular type of scheme? Are you looking for someone who's going to, I know you guys aren't going to say grab headlines, so I won't even really throw that one out there, but I'll throw that to you guys. What type of coach would you guys be looking for? Yeah, I mean, I I think you need, from my perspective, you need to sell something at Kansas, right? You're not necessarily selling location. Uh, You could sell conference to a degree, but you're kind of at the bottom of that conference pretty perennially. So you know, if it's the triple option, I, that's, I, I think that's a fine route to go down. If it's, you know, another type of, of kind of niche scheme that's out there, I think you need to find something where you can uniquely recruit and, and figure out how to build a system that you can evaluate prospects and that you, you kind of get the three stars and the occasional four stars that work for your system, as opposed to trying to keep up, like you're not going to keep up with OU, right? You're not going to keep up with Texas. Like, you're not even keeping up with TCU probably if you're Kansas. So you, you really kind of mm-hmm. have to find a, a, I don't want to say a shtick, but you kind of got to find a unique approach to, to building a roster. Cause you know, if you just try to an arms race, I don't think you got a shot if you're Kansas. So that that's kind of the direction I would go down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think you're spot on. I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably look for the, one of the best high school coaches in Kansas and hang it to him and be like, bring all your boys over here. Let's see what we can do and just try to win the state. Because like you said, like for the time being, you're not going to be recruiting many top talented players, um, especially just given their recent history. Now you have all the, the difficulties around less miles being kicked out. But you know, one thing you could sell them on is like maybe, you know, floor tickets to uh kansas basketball because <laughs> like, uh, that's about all they got going and even can even they're not good this year so don't make the tournament they're not they're not terrible dude speaking speaking of basketball real quick cleveland state circle them right now chameleon's gonna give them a big upset in the first round cleveland state 
That's my that's my pick. I don't even, we don't even know who they're playing yet. To our to our listeners, please do not bet on that. <laughs> uh, as a as an Ohio resident, I will not tell anyone to ever bet on Cleveland the Vikings, State. baby. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, second piece of news: um, Alabama and uh, Georgia. Um, there are they're in trouble right now because there's allegation over paying players, according to high school coach Rush Probst, who I think is he's a coach at Hoover. Is that where he is? I don't remember who he's where he's from. I was not shocked when I saw this, by the way. I'm like, I thought we all already knew this. <laughs> no, he's a, he's the head coach at Valdosta High School in Georgia. They pay their players. I'm, no surprise. Uh, all head coaches cheat in some capacity. Um, I think anyone who denies that head coaches are cheating is probably just trying to hold up this like naive belief in the integrity of the game. Whether or not it's coming directly from them, um, kids are getting money. Uh, I, I can say this with a lot of confidence. I did from, I have a friend of mine from years and years ago who, uh, was once a very highly touted recruit for, uh, the university of Miami. Um, yeah, hundred dollar handshakes are a thing. They definitely happen all the time. He got a ton of money from a donor when he got to go out on his yacht with him. Kids are getting money. Um, but it's the SEC. Will any of will Saban or Kirby Smart go down for this? Absolutely not. So um, I, I think this is one of those stories that's just out there. Everyone kind of knows it. And I mean, unless you guys think I'm wrong, you think anything's really going to come out of this? No, I agree with you. I, I for one, wasn't surprised. You guys think it was in McDonald's bags, or uh... <laughs> I, I hope it was in McDonald's bags. That seems like the most efficient way to give large sums of money. Oh, man. It's just so crazy. All right. And then the one I've been dancing around, it's been a little bit since this news came out. It's a little bit sad, but Eric Gilbert um, is no longer with the University of Florida Gators. Um, We all had hopes of him being the next Kyle Pitts. We all thought that this was going to turn him into a superstar. And really, for from a Debbie perspective, I will tell you, his his value skyrocketed for about two weeks when this news was out there because it was, I mean, in tight end premium like leagues, he was going to be a first round pick, which was silly. Um, but he was going to, that was where his value was in pretty much any Debbie format that I've been seeing. So um, the rumors out there right now, and this one isn't really a rumor. It has to do with academics. Um, super duper caveat on this. This is all rumor. This is a hundred percent rumor, but the it, it is he had apparently had zero transferable credits to uh, Florida, uh, and then their program is pretty difficult to get into, uh, despite the, what we all might believe about the SEC. That's actually a semi difficult program to get admissions in through transfer. And well, he did not. Uh, I'm bummed out. I don't think I want him to go to Georgia. I really don't because Georgia is one of the few programs that's ever killed a five-star tight end prospect. Usually they're pretty safe and they did it once before. So I hope he doesn't go to Georgia for the sake of, I don't want Alabama to be amazing. I don't want him to go to Alabama either. They already have, they really, already have a top level tight end at Alabama. They have a real, they have a good wide receiver who plays the tight end position. I'm, he's I love fine. I'm coming around on him. He's better than I thought, but he's, he's a wide receiver, but Eric Gilbert, let's hope we get some news in the near future. Some good news. I really, everything I've heard about this guy character wise is that he isn't a terrible person. And this isn't, he's not a a bad character guy. He just isn't great academically. He didn't come to college to play school. Um, So, I I mean, let's hope we get some good news from him in the near future. And let's hope he goes to a fun offense. 
But now let's move on to uh, why we brought you on, which is it's Devi. We, I mean, it's not Devi season for most. Most people are focused on rookies, but we stay a step Absolutely. ahead. It's Devi season for us. So um, let's talk about some of the players that we're we're pretty similar on. And we let's let's start off with the most important one. You have Chris Olave as your wide receiver one in in your current Devi format as a like a fringe first round pick as your twelfth overall player. Um, what do you love about Chris Olave, and why is the answer everything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love Chris Olave a lot. It's it's so funny. It's like you you post about Chris Olave, and you're either too high on him or way too low on him. There is no in between uh, in the Twitter sphere. But for me, uh, Olave. I apologize. I've called you too low in the past. <laughs> well, I, I think I've like put out my love for Olave before, and then like within five minutes, multiple times, like people have tagged you and been like, "You don't love Chris Olave." Matt loves Chris Olave. <laughs> um, but to me, he's he's a first round wide receiver. Like I, I really thought he could have gone round one this year if he had come out. Obviously, it's a really talented class, so maybe he would have fallen to day two, but. I mean, I, I think he's a great route runner. I love his hands. I love his ability to find space in the field. Um, there's there's really no, not, like he's not the fastest guy, but he's he's quick enough. Uh, and, he's, and I mean that, you know, in both pure speed and quickness, I, th- I think he moves around the field very well. So there's not much I don't like about Chris Alave. And for me, I'm not somebody who gets, uh, you know, turned off or, you know, too scared of a player that comes back for his senior year. Was I surprised? Yeah, but... It's going to impress me when he still holds down that volume playing through another quarterback change and with a lot of young, talented guys in that room. Like It's going to mean something for me when he holds out that volume, which I do expect him to do. All right. I'm going to ask a quick aside here real quick because you bring up the senior, uh, him coming back for his senior year. Just like from a philosophical perspective, because I'm, you know, uber nerd over here. How do you approach Debbie in general, Matt, when you look at um, like breakout age stuff like that what are some of the key criteria for you when you're like ranking players um that kind of is either a tiebreaker or a deal breaker or you know what are you what are some of the key factors you're looking for yeah in in terms of of the analytics side of things you know i uh, i appreciate young breakout ages it's so I guess like the way I phrase it is I appreciate young breakout ages more than not breaking out scares me, right? If, if you do it early, that's great. I appreciate that. Um, but I also understand the schemes of a lot of these teams. Like I'm not turned off from any of these Ohio State guys uh, that came in with with three other talented young guys in their class this past year. And some of them might not get legitimate action for two or three years. Like I'm fine with that, right? Because uh, Ohio State is a school that produces a lot of talent. Um, you know, same thing when it goes down to schools like Alabama, LSU. That doesn't really, you know, turn me off at all. But, you know, I, I do get excited when I think of guys like Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, he he balled out right away as a freshman at USC, and, and that's a competitive wide receiver room as well. So I'll, I'll use it as an advantage, but I, I certainly don't hold it against him. Uh, the other thing I'll say is, like, I am not a pure analytics person, so – you know, I, I try to keep some smart analytic people in my circle, but otherwise, like I'm looking at tape and, and I'm looking at production very generally. Yeah. Is that for all positions what you're talking about there? Or is that uh, mainly like yeah. wide receiver, like a, a senior, like a senior running back? Does that is that not, red flag? Not so you? much. I mean, there probably are other factors, but 
um, you know, situation plays into things as well. Um, obviously, with your running backs, you want to see them break out early. I think, you know, there's a little bit more weight there because, you know, you, it, it's just a little bit more of, a, of an obvious thing, right? It, it's a little harder to hide in the depth chart when it comes to the running back position. So, you know, I, I look for that quarterback. It doesn't bother me as much because oftentimes, you know, these talented quarterbacks are hiding behind other five stars and four stars. If you look at programs like Clemson and Alabama, but um, you know, I, I think it does show itself maybe a little bit more at the running back position. Yeah. Cool. I'm with you on all that. I mean, I, I think that breakout age and um, like dominator rating and all the things that I've loved and career market share, all the stats that I've been using pretty much since I started with Rotoviz, um, I think we're going to have to, I, I've been kind of preaching. I think there's a nuance to it as you start to get these more and more dominant programs. There's, it, it is going to be, it, it's more valuable to have a breakout on an Ohio state than it is to have a breakout on Pitt. Uh, I am a hundred percent saying that it's why, while I love Jordan Addison, the prospect, I'm not immediately making Jordan Addison, my number one wide receiver for the class of 2023, just because he, he did it faster than my guy, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, and it's largely just because I do think that it, we are, we're just seeing it now. There's better recruiters and they're just stacking their rooms because the transfer portal is so easy for kids to jump into. So you are getting these ridiculous things. So I, I do appreciate that. Um, it's why Garrett Wilson technically has not broken out with the 30% dominator that, or maybe he broke out this past year, but I don't know. I don't think he's, I don't, I think he came up just short of a breakout season this past year. And it's why he's still right now for me, I have my wide receiver one in the class and it's only because he's a little bit younger. Yeah. I know it's you, weird for someone to be higher. I know I was going to say that I was going to say you are not the high I guy am, in Olave on this show. One sec. To be fair, we're about to go. I'm about to go look at this. I think I'm still higher in the overall okay. than him, but he has him higher at wide receiver. I have Chris Olave as my 10th overall player. He has him at 12. I'm <laughs> but, still higher, but th that's a good point of emphasis. Like when it comes to my Debbie rankings, I push wide receivers further down. Uh, just in general, because I, I think it, it means more when you hit on a running back or my, my rankings are super flex. When you hit on a quarterback, it's going to be a lot more valuable to your team just because I think there's one a little bit. Well, I know there's shorter shelf life at the running back position, which creates more demand overall. Right. So I'll still give it to you. You're technically higher than Alave on me. Correct. I, and I don't want, I'm not giving you grief. I will, I will, we will circle back to that uh, quarterback conversation about your rankings being super flex, but let's talk about another guy we both like, and that's Eric Gray, former Tennessee running back, a uh, pretty highly regarded prospect when he came in. Um, I was a big fan of him all last year when he was like almost half their offense at times um, transfers to Oklahoma, which is secret, secretly one of the best programs uh, for running the football in the country. Um, I guess, uh, what are you in the same mindset as me that Oklahoma is probably going to give him some crazy production this year if he does, I mean, even get to like a 50-50 split on some type of committee. And mind you, he has to share work with this guy by the name of uh, Kennedy Brooks, who is atrocious. Oh my so, God, get out of here. Um, yeah, man. So, okay, so here's the background. Um, you know, I am a volunteer. Uh, unfortunately, it's a tough existence. Um, so, you know, I definitely got very invested in, in watching Eric Gray play over the last couple seasons. And I think Gray is a really great combination of, of athleticism, explosion, and power. 
uh, in, in kind of in a little bit of a different vein than we're seeing some of the guys in that uh, what's going to shape up to be the 2022 class. I believe Gray will declare after this season. Um, so what Gray does well, I think he's really explosive into the second level of the field. I think he's powerful. They used him in the red zone. He looked well. Um, he was good in, in um, you know, going out and getting the ball when they targeted him. And the Tennessee offense is stupid broken. So uh, for Eric Gray to perform the way he did um, production-wise was really impressive for me the last couple seasons. Now, what I think his biggest problem is, why we didn't get excited about him, why we couldn't, you know, throw up a bunch of flashy clips about him on Twitter. He needs to develop his ability to make guys miss in the second level of the field, right? Like he had a lot of 10 to 15 yard runs, but he didn't have very many 40 or 50 yard runs. Um, well, so now he's going from the sec and, and playing against the, the best linebackers and defensive backs in the country week in a week out uh, to he's going to play in incredibly open space uh, behind one of the best offensive lines in the country. So for me, I think he's going to be overflowing on the box score because the things that I think he does, he does not do well currently won't be as big of issues for him at the big 12. So there, there's two ways that you can kind of benefit from this, right? You could say, well, he's just going to develop as a runner and he's going to get better at that. And he'll be benefit from that at the next level. Or, Hey, I remember these things that he wasn't as good at, uh, at Tennessee and I see that he's overflowing the box score. And I know I have box score scouts in my uh, league and I'm going to flip him, you know, when he's getting that hype going into the NFL draft. So it's a win-win for me with Eric Gray. And no, I'm not worried about uh, any running back competition currently at Oklahoma. Yeah. I was going to ask also about, I mean, someone that, but before the transfer happened, we were also talking about Seth McGowan as a potential guy that could break out this year um, as, you know, pretty young, pretty young dude. Um, but you're not worried about that. Do you think um, like he had 30 receptions in nine games last year? Do you see that as being a big part of his game uh, moving to Oklahoma as well with Spencer Rattler and all the, I mean, like you said, they like to play in open space there in the big 12. Yeah. um, You know, what was that Matt? I said they like to throw to running backs. So, yeah. Yeah. So Tennessee, uh, in, was was not an efficient offense. So they they really, like when they were on the field, when Gray was on the field, they were giving him the ball because that's really the only way they moved it forward. Um, so the fact that he even had that level of production in the passing game, I think is really encouraging. I think it, it, it bodes well for Oklahoma. And the other thing I'll throw in there is that Eric Gray uh, was pretty much splitting carries at, at 50% volume, really consistently with Ty Chandler. And uh, for me, you know, that says, well, Seth, Seth McGowan could still get his, right? He could rotate on the field. He could get 30%. Uh, you know, uh, these other guys can rotate on here and they could get 20% on top of that. So for me, Gray has done well with with really, he, he holds around 50%. Um, Tennessee liked Ty Chandler. They used him on the field a lot, no matter how bad Vol fans wanted it to be only the Eric Gray show. Uh, and I think that too was one of the reasons that he never put up I mean, he had some really nice games, but he didn't have any of these uh, like stupid box score games because they never really let him get any momentum, you know, running on the field. So, you know, he can work with 50 percent, but if he gets more than that, like it's going to be a a good time. Yeah. And I know he he averaged less than five yards a carry this year. But I think uh, to your point, he was playing on a pretty rough system where it was um, like Pruitt was Tennessee was really yeah, bad Pruitt, last year. Pruitt was run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, interception. So it was uh it was a pretty rough, 
Let's move on from the heartbreak of a, a guy leaving Tennessee and go to a guy that uh, was kind of exciting last year. It was a near breakout wide receiver um, by our standards. Um, plays for a team that uh, my wife likes to root for, and that's Penn State, and it's Parker Washington. Uh, he was a true freshman last season. I'm going to go pull up his numbers now. Um, I think most people would expect if we were talking about a Penn state wide receiver, we'd probably be talking about Dotson because he made the flashy play where, um, where he knocked over, where he very clearly did some offensive pass interference against Sean Wade. And, uh, everyone remember, no, I, Sean Wade had a really bad year last year and, uh, Dotson made him look bad, but Parker Washington was a guy that as someone who likes to do a little bit of uh, college DFS, he was a dude. I like to just plug in there kind of cheap. And as I, as the season progressed, I was like, okay, um, this is not a fluke. He is really getting the ball a whole lot. And uh, for the first time in a while, it seems like Penn State was utilizing multiple wide receivers. So um, I guess were you seeing similar things to me in that uh, guy who last year had 36 receptions, 489 yards and six touchdowns. Does he look like a guy that has future NFL talent to you? Yeah, I'll be totally honest. And Parker Washington is a really good example He's, you know, I, I watched some Penn State last year. <laughs> they were not the most interesting team to watch. Um, so no, he was somebody, and, and I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm not an analytics person, but I kind of keep uh, analytics folks in my circle to, to check things off of them. And when I, you know, kind of ran my wide receiver ranks by a couple folks, they were like, what are you doing with dots? Because I did, I had Dotson as the guy to watch out of Penn State. And they're like, it, it, act, it needs to be Parker Washington. So I went back, kind of checked myself on that, you know, looked into his game a little bit more. And, you know, for somebody to do that in his first year, uh, and if we're talking about inefficient offenses uh, and passing games, that needs to be in that same conversation. So one thing I'd like to tell folks, especially with the Devi side of things, this is not a perfect science, right? If, if anybody is telling you that their Devi ranks are rock solid and perfect, uh, you need to, I, I wouldn't trust them because I think you need to be flexible and adaptable with it. And so even as somebody who, you know, thinks that I have all these programs down pat, like I am always willing to listen and adjust my rankings and Parker Washington currently being uh, where I just had him up here on the big board. He is, oh, I flipped back to wide receivers. He is, um, I think he's like 47 for me. Yeah, he's 47. He was not that high. He was in like the one teens yep. before I ran it past some folks. And they're like, you really got to bump him up. So, and I went back and kind of did my work. Plus 5'10", 210 as a freshman. <laughs> I think we're going to be looking at some good size there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think he is the, he's the guy that I'm right now trying to, uh, I'm going to snag in as many uh, spots as I can over this off season because I, I really see some upside there with him. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Um, Stefan, do you have any thoughts about Parker Washington or do you just want me to say that? No, no, no. I, I think it's interesting because he was a guy that before you and Travis started talking about him, he wasn't on my radar at all. And um, I've had to like circle back around. But yeah, I, I was still I was still on the Jahan train. And uh, to be fair, Dotson actually does have a pretty respectable analytic, analytics profile. He does. He's not he's not going to be one of those like super elite prospects that we're talking about as um, someone everyone needs to get in their rookie drafts next year or someone that we're all going to be like forcing trades for in Debbie this year. But he is a dude that has like, he might have some value. He does look like he'll probably be an NFL roster type player. And I mean, that's the first step is get on an NFL roster. And I, I, I see that with him. 
I just don't think he's going to have like round two draft capital. So yeah. And it's yeah. hard to want to have stock in two wide receivers on that offense. Like Penn state, like they're not doing much with the, at the quarterback position these days. And you know, I, I'm not, I've never been a big, big believer. Um, so yeah. Uh, tight end. I think, you know, we're, we're pretty similar at the top with, with uh, Gilbert and, and um, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. How high, I mean, how do you, how do you kind of look at the tight end position knowing that typically it takes a couple of years in the NFL for tight ends to really develop? Not always. You have those um, transcendent talents that can, can hit right away, but even a guy like Hawkinson who was a highly ranked guy um, drafted early, it took him a, a little while to get his, his feet under him too in the NFL. So, so with these um, like in this format with Debbie, where you're waiting not only for them to graduate, but then find a team Hopefully it's a good fit. And then you also need to wait for them to develop. How do you view that position and where do these guys kind of sit with your rankings? Yeah, that's a really good question. In general, I I do kind of push tight ends down my board. You know, oftentimes they're guys who are more talented than players that are above them. But at the end of the day, you know, if they're not producing for fantasy football, that's what we need to focus on from a Debbie point of view. And I think TJ Hawkinson is the perfect example of what I always go back to. He's a great prospect. Uh, Noah Fant was a great prospect. It, it's just going to take these guys a couple things. I mean, for the tight ends, the landing spot is even more important. And even then, it's probably going to take two to three years. And I, I say all the time, and this factors into my rankings too, and I, I'm sure we're going to talk about this as well when it comes to the quarterback conversation. I'm not a patient fantasy player. <laughs> I'm not. So I don't want to wait. I, I, I don't want to wait sure. for my tight ends to come around. I would much rather you know, figure that out on the, on the pro side of my approach. So for me, when I rank my quarter or my tight ends high, I should say, I'm looking for specific things and I'm looking for athletic builds. I'm looking for pass catching builds because those are the ones where you can kind of get away sometimes with some quicker production. So like Brevin Jordan was a guy I took at a discount the last couple of years because people were fading the tight end and I was willing to go and kind of pay price, you know, on Brevin Jordan because I really like his athletic profile and a guy like Michael Michael Mayer, he's probably going to fall in that similar range too. That and you know the hyper targeted as a freshman is is really encouraging for me uh, as well. And he was able to produce with uh, Ian Book there at quarterback, so I'm sure he, he's his uh, production profile will go up even further in the future. So when I invest in tight end, it's going to be there. But for the most part, honestly, I will fade tight end in the Debbie landscape. I'm with you. I think we're both we're with you on that same page. It's it's pretty easy to. Um... I guess it's easy to say like want to go after these hyper product or these tight ends that we think are crazy high, but then what are you going to do when six years later you're still waiting on Michael Mayer to affect your, your NFL roster. And I think that's probably the, uh, the right play. Although I'm probably going to force myself to get a share of Michael Mayer. Cause he was a lot of fun. Yeah. I have zero Kyle Pitts like from all my other Debbie leagues. Cause I just never was willing to pay the price. And now I'm like, man, it'd be kind of fun to have Pitts, but Maybe nope, we'll see where he goes. Even right? in tight end premium, like, what, but imagine your disappointment when you're waiting on Kyle Pitts for three years and he goes somewhere terrible. And I'm not wishing that on him. I hope he balls out. But like, you know what I mean? It's so risky at that position. Yep. Yeah. He's gonna go back up Dallas Goddard. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think it's time to go send a. We got a. We still. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We got to turn our lights on in our houses over here. So we got to go send this over to our friends over at Rotoviz Radio. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listeners. This is Curtis Patrick, and two of my favorite simple pleasures in life are good whiskey and sleeping on really nice bedding. Where do I get mine? Brooklinen. Most of us are going to spend 30 to 35% of our adult lives in bed. It's just not the place to cut corners. Well, my people, Rich and Vicky over at Brooklinen, they work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and your tastes. They're so confident you're going to love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear. I've got the graphite window pane collection, and my wife absolutely loves it. All their stuff looks great. You can order anything, and it's going to make you and everyone else in your house happy. Having a clean, fresh bedroom set, it's just one simple thing you can do to start and end your day like a champ. Go to brooklinen.com and use our promo code ROTOVIZ. You're going to get 25 bucks off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code ROTOVIZ for $25 off when you spend $100 or more. Plus, free shipping. Brooklinen.com, promo code ROTOVIZ, and check it out. All right, so now let's let's get into the fun one, which is where we get to argue a little bit. And um, I, you know what? Let's let's start with the running back position because like you said, running back is, is one where you... Uh, when you hit big on them, you you really hit big. Um, you have Jerrion Elliott as your number three running back. I have him at number eight. And I'm pretty sure, even though uh, Stefan put me as the person to compare him to, I'm pretty sure he's even lower on him unless I've convinced him otherwise. No, I'm 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 higher on him than you. I've got oh, him at a 92. You've got him as an 85. 
Okay, so I have him as like a mid, but uh, so our based on our numbers, that's basically I have him as a mid to late second round pick. You have him as a late first round pick value. So, yeah. what do you? I mean, obviously he was a, a really athletic kid. He was the kid who was drafted for baseball coming out of high school. He was a, I believe, a five star prospect when he got to Ole Miss. There's, I, I will say, there's not a lot about his profile that I dislike. I, I initially I thought I was going to be high on him where I had him, but uh. So I guess why is Ely your number three back? And I, I mean, is how much of this is weighted based on the fact that you get him in 2022 compared to like some of the guys in 2023 who might be a little bit higher upside, like maybe a tank Bigsby. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that for me, I, I kind of uh, alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I prioritize guys that are closer to the league and I'm just not a patient fantasy player. And so for me, that does bump him up over a guy like Tank Bigsby. Like Bigsby is my uh, running back six. Jerome Ely is my running back eight. I think they're both very talented players. They think they have similar talent, if not a little bit more uh, on the tank side of things, especially with his size. It's a little bit more secure, right? So, um, but for me, you know, I want guys that are going to produce quickly. And the other side of that too, that I always try to keep in mind with Debbie is I'm not always... Uh, ranking or I'm not always, um, you know, drafting players to have them on my dynasty team. Sometimes it's just about guys who I think are going to rise in value before the draft. And then you could flip them before they ever get to the NFL. And that is something I try to keep in mind as well. So when it comes to Ely, you know, I love his game. A lot of what you mentioned, I love his speed. I love his athleticism. I love his elusiveness. Uh, I think he's got good vision for the running back position, but I also know he's playing in Ole Miss in Lane Kiffin's wild open offense and he's going to pop in box scores and there's going to be folks um you know that aren't as honed into the Devi side of things and that's perfectly fine but they see his name uh and they see those numbers and they're going to go and overpay for him a little bit and so for me you know I, I keep in mind the talent but I also keep in mind the, the the gamesmanship part of things right and I think for Ely he's somebody who's only going to rise in value over this next year or Tank Bigsby, he's somebody that I probably would want to hold all the way through into the NFL. But I think he's probably, you know, we hold him in very high regard right now from the Debbie landscape. And he he's probably going to hang around that spot for me, right? Like he's always going to be that like around round one guy until he's ready to go to the league because I've seen what he can do. And I think he's going to keep doing that well, where I think Ely is going to get featured in a really prominent way this year and just kind of ride that momentum to either my draft, my team, or just flip that for some capital. Yeah, I, I like that. Actually, uh, we play in a really insane league <laughs> together. So <laughs> Matt put together a league. It's a 24-team league, Devi League. Um, but just but there's no like um duplicate players or anything like that. So like, and it's super flex. So like not even every team can have <laughs> have two quarterbacks. So it's it's just nuts. But I have I have Ely in that league. And uh, for the very same reasons that you said, I was just so excited to get him and I was able to get him pretty late. But it was one of those things where like you could see the writing on the wall that his value was going to go up. And even if he's not a guy that I would want to keep, um, he was someone that, you know, will have the the increased value from where I was was drafting him. Um, I really like him. So Ole Miss, um, after those first few games, I think it was after that Alabama shootout, um, I adopted them as like my my you know, my secret crush that was no longer so secret. And then at that point, <laughs> they just disappointed and were really unfun uh, for, for a while there. But um, I, I like it. I, I like the call. I think Ely, like you said, I think 
people looking at the box scores, um, playing in that offense. Um, Matt Corral's back. They're they're going to be if he can, if he can uh, you know JRP's back get get the, yeah if he can get through a game with not throwing six interceptions uh, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch they're going to be putting up um, major points so yeah I think he he is someone like you said who could um who could really rise so why do you hate him <laughs> Matt I don't hate him I have him as a second round pick if you uh, looking at the early mock stuff that's that's on he's probably going to go somewhere between anywhere between pick 13 and pick 24, like somewhere in that second round is probably where he's going to uh, end in his ADP in, um, in super flex drafts. So I will say he's, I think he's a good player. I think you guys are both right. I do think that we're going to get, I think this is going to be the 2022 is going to be the first year in a while where everyone get, looks around and says, Oh my God, there aren't seven running backs that I'm okay with. There aren't 14 wide receivers that I really like round two gets really gross, really fast in rookie drafts in 2022. So I, I mean, I'm with you. I think I honestly, like I, I like Jerry and Ely more than I like a guy like uh, Jameer Gibbs, which I know is the new hotness for a lot of people. Um, I like him on a similar level to um, like Kyron, Kyron Williams. I have him on the, the same page as, so I, I mean, I'm right there with you on him. He's, he's a guy that I, uh, and to be clear, uh, during that draft, somebody was helping Stefan with this because it was Stefan's first Debbie draft. <laughs> and uh, I won't scroll all the way back in my messages, but I'm pretty sure I told you to go after Ely. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm definitely still high on him. So I'm not a hater. Ole Miss Twitter, stay away from me. That's but, right. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, your number one overall quarterback and your, your current number one player. Uh, so I know this is in the differ section. But I still love this player a lot. I hyped him a lot after his freshman year. But I just think that next year has an interesting class. And I appreciate the uh, you going all in with him. And that's Jaden Daniels as your as your number one QB. Um, are you at all worried that he's 175 pounds? I'm not worried about that. I'll tell you my biggest my biggest worry with Jaden Daniel at Jane Daniels is that he won't declare this year, right? Because it goes back to that same argument. So if he's reclassified in 2023, you know, it's a huge change in value, but uh, I'm not worried about the 175. I, I love his height at six, three. He's going to add pounds onto that. <laughs> and if you haven't seen Jane Daniels play, man, I mean, that 175 might be a little generous. So I, I, definitely I was going to say that too. He adds on that weight, but um, you know, at the end of the day, I really prioritize in fantasy football formats, mobility, athleticism, and the ability to run with the ball. So from a pure you know, NFL draft standpoint, is he the purest prospect right now? Would he get the best just pure draft grade from me? Absolutely not. But I'm always going to bump these guys that can run the ball. You know, going back, you know, the Josh Allen and, and um, Lamar Jackson years, that definitely helped me. Um, you know, even coming into this year, like I have Trey Lance over Zach Wilson for that fantasy football upside. Um, it's just such a huge factor. And, and that's just a bonus for me because I really like uh, Daniels's arm. I love the fact that he hit the ground right off the bat and was leading that Arizona State team as a true freshman in through a lot of crap this season at Arizona State. I thought he did pretty well. And I love the way he protects the ball, too. He's got a great touchdown to, to turnover ratio. So there's definitely a, a lot that I like about Jaden Daniels, but at the end of the day, his legs is is what's really going to separate him uh, in this class, assuming he's in the 2022 class, because 2023, uh, we got some other guys that can move with their legs too. 
Yeah. Yeah. He, I, I'm a big fan of his, his mobility. And I, I will say he's a guy that, I mean, I prefer him to Keaton Slovis. I know that's a lot of people prefer Slovis. I prefer him to, um, JT Daniels still. Um, I, I'm, I still believe in Howell. I think we saw quite a bit from him over the years, but I, I mean, I like the idea of the guy can move that matters because I mean, we even saw it just the, a little bit of mobility bumps you up in fantasy value very quickly. So I, I like it. My, my fear with Jaden is, is simply, I, I wonder if he, even if he does declare soon, how long it will take him to get um, QB one status in the NFL. I wonder if, if teams will view him as a, like a development. I think if he declares, if he declares next year, that means he's going to, he's getting the confirmation that he is getting that either first or second round grade. And if he gets, excuse me, if he gets that, I do think that we're going to, a team is drafting. Like Jordan Love. They're not. (laughs) I mean, Jordan Jordan Love can go in the first round. Matt Jones can go in the first round. You know what I mean? I I think Jaden Daniels, people are going to see that athleticism and someone is going to, I mean, Washington still exists, so they'll probably say we need a, a 17th quarterback. So, uh, all right. I do want to just, I want to wrap up quarterback because I don't like talking about quarterbacks that much. Um, <laughs> you're a homer. Uh, you're QB9. You are a homer. Um, but so you have three quarterbacks, and I know that there's a level of like find the next guy that could be the next Zach Wilson who just has skyrocketing value. There. Tyler Schoen. Um, so you have. Hey- Sorry. <laughs> No. Uh, so there's Harrison Bailey as your QB nine, Phil Jerkovic as your QB 11 and Talia Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa. I, I will never say his name right, nor do I particularly care as your QB 12. And they're all, I think inside of your top 36 overall players, I guess. Is it, are you, have you seen, I guess, traits within each one of those guys that makes you think that there's the potential for the skyrocketing value? I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm also attached to the University of Maryland. So I am a double homer with this take. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Full on homer. You, you, were, you weren't just calling me out for my uh, <laughs> for my Tennessee connections. Um, so I, I, I'll quickly touch on each of these guys. Uh, I liked what I saw from Harrison Bailey last year. So he completed 70 percent of his passes while when he played. He got 68 attempts in there as a true freshman. Not as many as we would have wanted, but he was a high four-star recruit. He's the best recruit Tennessee has had at the quarterback position in a while. He's 6'5", 220. Uh, Keeping in mind, too, uh, that I think that Harrison Bailey would have won out the job at least early in the season, if not preseason, if he hadn't both missed spring camp because of COVID. Everybody did. But then Harrison Bailey was a close contact uh, in summer camp as well for the Vols which didn't allow him to compete for that job. Uh, Obviously, Garantano won that, and that was probably it for Pruitt. Like Once Garantano won that job, Pruitt did not have a shot, uh, and it kind of just went downhill from there. Now, when Bailey got into the games for Tennessee last year, they were, they did not ask him to do that much. I, you know, those that seventy percent is definitely a little inflated. It was a lot of underneath stuff. You know, kind of um, he was coming in in garbage time a lot, so there was a lot of you know just drop back zone coverage layoff, and he was kind of just feeding under the middle a decent amount. But they also let him rip it a few times, and and he's got an arm, man. When they let him rip it, it looked good. And for all of this crap going on. And just about near everybody leaving the Tennessee program, at least for now, Harrison Bailey has not left town um, and he gets Josh Heupel in there. And you could say what you want about Josh Heupel, but 
they run they they run an offense. They run a high powered, high octane offense. So I think he's going to get the shot. And Tennessee also has some really good wide receivers that get wasted uh, under the last few coaching regimes. And so hopefully, you know, we're going to be able to see um, guys like Hyatt. Um, guys, I'm, oh man, who's the other guy that's slipping in my mind right now? Uh, four-star guy coming out of last year's class. There's a lot of good wide receivers. So hopefully Bailey stays and is able to take advantage of that Josh Heupel offense. And that's kind of what I'm banking on there. Uh, and, and great prototypical quarterback size as well. So I think that's going to translate uh, well to the NFL. Um, so that's kind of my, my love for, for Harrison Bailey. When it comes to um, Tagovailoa, are you, yeah, yeah. Does Hendon Hooker coming in as a transfer, does that make you nervous at all? No, I think it's good because I, I think he needs someone to push him. And, and I, I'm not worried about Hooker, you know, actually taking over the offense. But one of the things about the, the quarterback room in Tennessee the last couple of years is Jerry Garantano has kept the starting job simply because he was the best option by default. And, and there mm-hmm. wasn't really any other reason that he was quarterbacking that team. So I, I think it's good. I like that Hooker's there. I like that. Uh, the the incoming freshman uh, Salter is there. I think that's great. Like, let's push this room. Let's build it up. And hopefully that leads to Harrison Bailey, um, you know, kind of uh, winning that job. But I have to imagine that if Harrison Bailey had any inkling that he wasn't going to be the guy going into this year, that he would have bolted because he was very He'd vocal up front about not yeah. playing for anybody but Pruitt. And he's still in town, which for now – Uh, And that could change, obviously, but we've kind of moved past that initial period of everybody scurrying out. So let's hope that's a good sign for Bailey. The only other controversial one there. Um, And then for uh, Tagovailoa, which is like... I would say the worst of the two brothers. No, no, go ahead, Um, go ahead. But I do think he he showed some moments, obviously. Rakeem Jarrett made his job easy one game, so... No, it's, it's a good question. I did not have him it held in super high regard when he transferred from Alabama. You know, it was a clear David Loxley connection there. I figured he was just going to go there. It was a coach he was comfortable with. Um, And it certainly wasn't a perfect season, but Maryland played four games, which even for the Big Ten was low. They played games very inconsistently. I think at times there was like two to three weeks in between their games. But, and and by the way, the defense was, was was not a focal point of that team. But when they were on the field, and he wasn't perfect, but that offense was was buzzing, man. There was some real juice in that offense, and Tagovailoa was getting it done through the air, and he was also getting it done on the ground. Uh, so for me, that, that was a huge burst. Now, the stats are not super exciting, right? Like 60% completion rate. He threw for just over 1,000 yards in four games. That's not bad. Seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, so that ratio is not good at all. But I didn't even expect him to win out the job. And when I saw him on the field, he's raw. He's definitely raw, but I saw some really great traits with his arm talent, with his uh, mobility. And am I comparing him to his brother by any means? No, absolutely not. But I think we got something there. And he's somebody that you could get for very cheap, if not free at this point. And Maryland's got some playmakers, man. Like they are adding some wideouts to that room. Rakeem Jarrett, of course, kind of being the top of that. And then, you know, even at the running back position, I'm excited about Penny Boone. So there's definitely a good young core that they're building on that offense. So I think we could be seeing a little bit of a lightning in the bottle here with him. So I'm a little bullish on him. I definitely have him high up, but I also push all my quarterbacks up in in the Debbie big board just because, you know, it is a super flex focus for me. I like what you're saying about him. It sounds interesting. 
I would just, and maybe this is crazy because of the long wait, but in this format, I would push some of those, you know, the top rated freshmen, incoming freshmen, like the the Caleb Williams, uh, Tyler Buckner, those type of guys, even my boy, um, my, my boy, Ty Thompson, um, moving them up ahead of someone like that, where, you know, there's just so many questions, but, um, but again, you love, you love the Terps. So you gotta, you gotta roll with them, you know? <laughs> Hey, I mean, you know, it goes back to being impatient. I'm an impatient player and, you know, I kind of take that approach to things. So I don't want to wait for Caleb Williams. It's going to be a while. It's going to so be a long time. It's going to be, it's going to be a long time, man. What am I doing in three years? I can't tell you. <laughs> right. All right. Well, yeah, you'll be, you'll be trading for Caleb Williams. I'm guessing. <laughs> well, that's um, what I'll be doing. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, I want to jump in here at the wide receiver. Um, because I noticed like on your, on your wide receiver, big board, you've got kind of a cluster of Oklahoma wideouts. And to me, I, I am in love with Mar- Marvin Mims. Love the dude. Um, I love everything about him. Yeah. He's a little small, but the dude is fast. He showed the ability to make the big plays. I think like once, once there was a little bit of confidence in him, once Spencer Rattler stopped turning the ball over, um, once their running game started going, Marvin Mims just exploded and I was super excited to see what he could do. And then you had a couple, uh, you had Rambo transfer out. So there's more opportunity for him. Um, so I've got Mims all the way up in my top five at the wide receiver position. And I see that you have him. Um, You're a psycho. Yeah. Also, yes. he's not a top five wide receiver. <laughs> I love Marvin Mims and you have him down at number 20. Uh, so, so even if I am crazy uh, and maybe I am a little high on him or very high on him, uh, why do you have him so low? And is it because you have those three guys bunched together that you just don't know which one of them is going to pop? Yeah, I mean, that's honestly, you know, it's like these these are all good players for different reasons. They've all kind of uh, either come with high recruiting profiles going in or or had some flashes of, of real excitement. Uh, you know, Hazelwood, um, Weez, and, and Mims. Um, and for me, it's like, you know, let's put them together and let's see what sticks because they all could be really good prospects because they're in this wide open offense and they're all going to have, I think, good production. But, you know, it's difficult for me to uh, piece apart the Oklahoma offense, especially because we saw two different units. I really feel like we didn't technically see two different units, but you alluded to it. There was like Spencer Rattler adjusting to playing in college at the beginning of the season. And then there was what they did at the end of the season. And I felt like it was two totally different teams. So it is a difficult team for me to evaluate, but I also understand that all those players need to be in a relatively, you know, positive spot because they're in one of the best offenses to highlight wide receivers, you know, in the country, plus those high recruiting profiles. And by the way, you know, I know we're not talking tight ends, but like Austin Stogner also looked really good this past year. So like he's kind of throwing things in there because he's going to get targets. Uh, We just talked about the targets that Eric Gray is going to get. So it's an interesting offense to try to pick apart. I think the 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 big takeaway is if you're in a Devi league with me, trade me Marvin Mims because I'm going to overpay for him. <laughs> I think that's the big takeaway here. Uh, no, because he bring up a lot of good points, and um, yeah, I just see see the upside. I am nervous about how how tiny Mims is. Um, five eleven, hundred and seventy five pounds ish, could be a problem, but he could also be like a, a Jalen Waddle type with the way he can just take the roof off and just blow past people. Um, I'm excited about him. One of the guys I wanted to hear you, you both talk about uh, because I'm with you on this one. 
and and Wispy the kid over here um, just hates John Mechie I'm not mean to so much. And I just don't get it. So so I want to hear you two just go at it, be mean to each other. Let's see some 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 blood fly. <laughs> I, I know. Only on Twitter are you mean to people. And I'm not even that mean on Twitter. <laughs> I just am like no, the nicest cyberbully you'll ever run into. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I mean, let me just get my hatred of John Mechie out there. There's a reason why uh, Devonta Smith had silly numbers this year. It's because John Mechie was not a reliable target. Everyone really remembers, oh, Waddle went down and all of a sudden he popped off. He had two games, two, two games over 100 yards receiving this year. That offense was insane this year. And he was the second best wide receiver on the field. And he had two games over 150 yards this year. Um He's fine. He is a fine player. Next year's class is actually pretty solid at wide receiver, at, at least in the top. He's not in that group for me. And I'm just not, I'm not going to pay the premium for a dude that I think is going to be late second, early third round capital, maybe. So I think that Alabama's leading wide receiver next year is an incoming freshman. And because of that, I think that John Mechie is not going to have insane capital next year, so I'm not going to rank him very high. And anyone who disagrees with me, clearly they probably know more than me, but whatever. I mean, I, I like Mechie. I like the opportunity. I like where he is. I think he brings good size to the field. I, I do like his quickness. I like his athleticism. And so for me, you know, there's a little bit of that next guy up. And you're right, they have a really talented group of young guys coming in, but they finally, there's like a little bit of break of, of veteran experienced guys. So I think he'll step up into that role. Part of me, you know, um, I think there's a little bit of confirmation bias that you have to try to check in all of your rankings. But like Mechie was the guy I was getting in like the 20 to 25 range of campus to Canton drafts last year. And now I have them everywhere. So maybe there's just a little confirmation bias to me. Uh, looking at Mechie. By the way, I was looking on the side here, uh, Stefan, making sure that um, I, I had it right. And I do draft before you in the Devi draft in our league, and, and Mims is available. So I'm oh, excited shit. to take him just to make you trade me for <laughs> I respect that. I definitely respect that, by the way. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> uh, so, Stefan, <laughs> man, that's going to sting. But why are, why are you picking ahead of me again? <laughs> Next question. I'll tell you why. Because uh, in this ridiculous 2014 Superflex League, Dak Prescott decided he had to get injured. Uh, so my team went from contender to pretender real quick. <laughs> yeah, it can happen in a hurry. So, that's for sure. It's for damn sure. Oh, man, that's good. Well, at least I know I'll have at least I know I'll get Mims. It may cost me way too much, but I'll be happy. We, we have a lot of players on the on our list of players we disagree about. And, well, we can't obviously won't get to all of them. But I do want to talk about one running back that you have in your top 10 that I don't think is very good. And he is a Michigan transfer uh, to UCLA, and that is Zach Charbonnet. Um, I think we all had high hopes for him when he was an incoming freshman. And my big issue for him is he didn't get the ball very much this year. Um I think he was like fourth in the team in carries um, and he couldn't beat out Haskins in his entire time there. And this partially is to say um, Jim Harbaugh is a terrible coach and doesn't know how to use his talent. 
But my issue with Charbonnet has been that I sort of see him as a bit of a relic. Um, he does not, I, I hope Chip Kelly uses him a little bit better and he actually gets some targets and maybe he gets to see if that guy becomes a pass catching option. However, he looks to me like a guy that is hopefully, hopefully you get him in the NFL as a could get you. I mean, he's your two down back and then they bring in someone who can catch passes on third down. And for me, my fear with him is that he looks more like a Bo Scarborough who we all thought was all kinds of fun. And then when he actually got like drafted, no one wanted him. And now in the NFL, he looks like a dude that's going to be your seventh guy on your depth chart who not really seventh, but he's fourth guy in your depth chart. I think he scored a touchdown for the Seahawks this year, by the way. Yeah, he, but remember when he got when he was on, he's been on the Cowboys, he's been on the Lions, and now he's on the Seahawks. So that's my fear with Charbonnet. I guess, I, I mean, there's very clear reason to like him. He was an insanely high prospect. And honestly, after his freshman year, I saw people calling him the Debbie running back one. So you're not alone in this take. And maybe I'm the hot takey one here. But what do you like about Zach Charbonnet? You're, you're not the hot takey one. I'm the one who who's prepared to die on this hill because I've, I've done a few you know, industry mock drafts and Devi and Campus to Canton. And every time I post them, I'm the guy with Zach Charbonnet on the roster. And it doesn't <laughs> matter. I, I've, I've just been playing because they're mocks, right? So I've just been playing the game of how much later can I get Zach Charbonnet? And I get him a little later each time. And I, I'm still told that I'm paying too much for him. Here's my thing with Zach Charbonnet. First and foremost, I do believe in his talent. I love his size, 6'1", 220. I think he's really powerful between the tackles. Uh, and you're right. He may be limited in that way in the NFL, but we've seen some examples of him having good downfield acceleration. Is it the best? No. But for a guy who's 220, is it good? Yeah, it's good enough for me. And, and one of the things that I, I love the UCLA transfer spot, um, Michigan sucks at using their players. I mean, we don't have to sugarcoat that. You alluded to that. So I'm throwing out the fact that he didn't have carries this past year. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I should be digging into that a little bit. But what do I know about UCLA? UCLA was the guy when uh, Joshua Kelly transferred there. The opportunity was so good uh, for a guy who I think does win in similar ways for Joshua Kelly to become apparently fantasy football relevant uh, at a point in time this, this past rookie draft season. I think Zach Charbonnet is way more talented than Joshua Kelly. So if he's stepping into that same uh, position, then I absolutely love that. That was the same running back position that I think Dimitri made Demetric Felton look really good this past season as well. And Demetric Felton is a much different uh, type of runner than either Charbonnet or Kelly. But so for me, you got a guy who I do believe in his initial talent and he's transferring to a spot where I think one, he's going to get volume and two, he's going to get a good situation to be able to perform well. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't think he's Bo Scarborough. I, I think he, you know, is swinging the other side of that pendulum, that was but you know, outside of your, your, yeah. I mean, well, I was going to be hyperbolic the other way and say, maybe he's more Derrick Henry, but he's not anywhere near that powerful of a runner. Um, although I do think he runs really well in between the tackles. So, you know, he's probably somewhere in that spectrum. Um, and, but I, I believe in him. And again, you know, looking at that idea of your investing in future value and I can't see Zach Charbonnet not skyrocketing in, in value over this next year. And playing along uh, DTR is definitely going to help him out a little bit. Um, I, I do think that's a, it, of all the landing spots he could have gone to, he definitely picked a program where there's the opportunity for his stock to rise. 
Um, I just, I, I, number one, pure hatred. He went to Michigan, uh, have to have to keep him low <laughs> in my ranks, but at the same time, I, I, I kind of see the value, but I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just, he's not, a, he, I have him on a roster. I will say that. So if he pops this year and he starts looking good selling instantly, because I do think that value is out there, but at the same time, I, I he's a guy that I'm just going to struggle to put on my roster because there is a 50, I mean, 50 is probably high, a 40% chance he's roster filler. And he's a guy that once he gets to the NFL, you're just really looking to unload. Um, but I don't think, I, I I think that's probably an okay take. I do think you're probably the high, high man across the industry on that, but it's fine. It's fine. I would, hey, I would say everyone needs, the die on. everyone needs a marvin mims um i would say wait until uh october 24th to trade off charbonnet because he'll be playing oregon on the 23rd and you know chip is going to get him 246 yards and three touchdowns so <laughs> i like it it'll be hey, a good playing day. in the pac 12 uh weekly doesn't hurt uh, his future production profile either all right right, um, <laughs> right. last guy i kind of want to talk about and stefan jump in if there's someone else that you're really wanting to touch base on and there's one name that just sort of doesn't fit your uh, your normal scheme that stood out to me, and that's Darnell Washington. You have him. Where did you have him? I think you had him as. I'm sorry, not. I should have been more prepared. But you had him as your tight end three. You have him in top thirty overall player. He didn't really produce a ton last year. I'm. I think. Um, but he was a really highly regarded, highly regarded prospect at, at uh, coming into Georgia. And seriously, I'm so bad at typing into sports reference right now. Um, But he had seven receptions last year for 166 yards for Georgia. And I guess just he's a dude, I guess, that you might have to wait a little bit on. But he is, I mean, he's 6'7", 260. He's clearly a freak. If there was one guy that um, maybe could have rivaled Eric Gilbert for the most exciting prospect last year, it was him. But I guess... I mean, is that what you're looking at right there? Is that this guy looks like he has the frame of a, hey, he might be a superstar in the future. Get him now while he's not a second round, third round, I mean, second round pick. Yeah, he's right there in my rankings, you know, right behind Mayer. And it is that idea. I mean, he's 6'7", 260. It's ridiculous. And I know you said he only got seven receptions, but those were some exciting receptions. Uh, In Georgia... Georgia's a spot where, I mean, they, I feel like they always have like four tight ends on rotation. So it didn't really surprise me that he didn't get as much work in his freshman year as we would have thought. Also, Georgia sucks at passing the ball, but I'm excited about the potential of their passing offense with JT Daniels. I'm not getting too excited because I don't want to get my hopes up here. It's Georgia football. Um, and and they're, they're a good football team. I'm not railing on there, but their offense is boring. Uh, thus it sent, you know, a lot of the SEC is, um, but so I'm banking on the upside there with Washington, that athletic profile. And, you know, it's the tight ends for me. Uh, the ones I'm willing to go in on are the ones that look really athletic. And then you give me a six, seven guy. I mean, you know, so I'm, I'm willing to kind of be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to that. And, and let's just hope that he gets featured in this offense this year. I mean, the dude look, it has the frame of an offensive lineman, but moves like one of the top like one of the top tight ends in the country. So I'm definitely with you. I, it was just a little bit surprising to see him that high in your ranks, but at the same time, I'm not positive. I can fault you for taking a dude who was top 25 in the country at 
uh, at any position was number two athlete in the country. And I love me some athlete prospects. I think when a guy comes in and they, they're like, he can play anywhere. I love it. And uh, so I, I don't hate on it. I just wanted to point it out because it did seem to stray a little bit from your other rankings in the sense that it was probably a guy you have to wait on, but freak athlete, totally, totally get it. And five star tight ends hit. Just not but, Isaac you know, that's, that's a spot that hits pretty consistently. Yeah, just not uh, the other Georgia so tight that, end. He was, <laughs> isn't he in Detroit, though? Isn't he in Detroit? I think he's still running his 40 time. That, that could be right. I say, he's like the one, he's like the one five star tight end to whiff. And that's my only fear with tight ends at Georgia. But at the same time, really, I mean, I think Darnell Washington, he just has to make it to the combine. Just get to the combine, and someone's gonna be like, wait, Georgia didn't throw him the ball 15 times a game. This is silly. Um <laughs> Stefan, are there any other players on our list that you really would like to touch on? I mean, I, I think for the sake of time, we should. I'd, I'd love to hear some of the under-the-radar players we have. But I was just curious, um, with the news about Justin Ross likely being able to be at his regular self, it looks like he's going to be starting for, for Clemson here. Uh, see someone that you're going to be moving up your boards pretty soon here, Matt? It's tough, man. It's, it's tough because... I like his talent. Uh, you know, I currently have him at 27. I don't know if I can move him much higher than that because he's a guy who just might not be on NFL boards. You know, he might end up off a third of the boards right off the bat just based on the medical background. So uh, when he's when he's been on the field, he's looked tremendous. I just don't know if he's going to pull that future first-round draft capital. I think he's going to be somebody that NFL teams are a little bit more interested in that day-two range and – you know, just kind of looking at the way that I prioritize wide receivers in general, it's going to be hard for me to project him up much more. But if he balls out and has a huge season, I'm going to have to. I mean, it's hard to put him in that same range as a guy like Wilson, Pickens, Alave, um, Traylon Burks. Like, it's, it is really hard to push him up into that range, even... Uh, not Mechie. He's better than Mechie, but whatever. Everyone's better than Mechie. Um... But at the, I mean, he, I, I, he's, he's the one player for me that's actually really difficult too, because obviously what we saw from him when we've seen him on the field is he looks like one of the best players in the country. And I, I'm not even just limiting it to the wide receiver. He looks like one of the best college football players and his size is clearly what you like to see. He, I mean, he made an impact as a freshman in the playoff, which most teams would be terrified to throw out their their freshman wide receiver, but they decided to just chuck it to him and turn him into a superstar right away. So, I I mean I'm a big fan of his. I I'm waiting. I think I'm in the camp of I'm going to wait until we see him a couple of weeks playing college football again. Let's see him get through training camp because at this time last year we all thought J T Daniels was going to be healthy enough to start Week One for Georgia, and he didn't come in until like halfway through the year. So let's let's wait before we we turn this guy into a, a early second round pick. I'm buying low right now, boys. I know I'm the crazy one, but you can buy. Yeah. He's just, he's probably, this is a decent time to buy. Yeah. yeah. At the right price. Well, cool. Let's, um, let's jump into some of the guys we have kind of like out outside of our top 50 overall players, but guys who could make a big jump this year, players you're excited about for whatever reason. Um, Matt, you're a guest. Why don't you go first? Yeah, so the first uh, first guy I'll throw out there, I like Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati a lot. 5'11", 215. 
originally started Alabama, you know, was not able to, to win out in that locker room. It's one that you often have to wait three or four years to, to get on the field. And he didn't want to do that. So he transfers to Cincinnati and Mike, like he looked really good when he was on the field. He only had 73 carries, 483 yards. That's 6.6 a carry, eight touchdowns. So he's scoring the ball. What's that one out of every nine times he's touching the ball? Yeah. Uh, another eight receptions. So nothing wild, but he looked good. I-, I loved his vision. I loved his ability to work in between the tackles. He had a little bit of burstiness to his game. And why they kept playing, uh, what's his name? Dokes over him. <laughs> it's just infuriating. But yeah. Um, and so I'm excited about Jerome Ford. I think he's still flying under the radar. I think he's going to be like the group of five hotness guy at the running back position coming out this year. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of what I'm I'm in on uh, for Ford. And he's pretty low, I feel like, in consensus ranks right now. I'm with you on him. He single-handedly killed me on, I think I wrote two under articles on Cincinnati last year for Action Network, and he single-handedly killed me on both of them with late touchdowns. So that's annoying, but I do love him. Um, I've been higher on him since he transferred from Alabama because I did kind of like the landing spot. I, it felt like it was a team that was going to run the ball a decent amount. And honestly, I, I think by the end of the year, he really had taken over that backfield over Dokes. And Dokes, I mean, Dokes wasn't good. He was averaging sub five per carry, but he was a little bit versatile. But he he really did earn his way onto the field. And I think coming into this year, I'd be a little bit surprised if Ford isn't the lead guy in that backfield. And, and if you want to talk like narratives, like people buy into narratives, right? So Cincinnati is going to be the group of five team this year. They have Desmond Ritter coming back. They're going to be that team that gets screwed over for that playoff spot again, right? They're going to be the UCF and declare their own national championship. And people are just going to be excited about that team. And whenever you're excited about a player, you overpay for them. You think about the college player versus the pro player. So, you know, if you're thinking about like narrative as potential future value, I, I think you got a lot there with Ford. Yeah, that's like great. Um, so I guess I'll talk about the player that I've been hyping uh, since I really got to see him a little bit last year. And it's weird because usually I like running backs uh, that ha- average over 60 yards per carry. And I'm going to kind of start hyping one that was sub five. And that's Kayvon Lee. Um, he was a highly regarded freshman prospect coming into Penn State last year. Penn State obviously lost... Uh, journey brown before the season started and then for some reason kept trying to run the ball with uh devin ford and who was the other back that was terrible uh noah can no well kane got hurt early but they they really tried to roll with devin ford for so much of the year until they realized that their best back was Kayvon lee and uh 89 carries for 438 yards and four touchdowns had 12 receptions that offense was really bad last year. I do expect to see some uptick in that. Um, I mean, that requires Sean Clifford to turn into a competent quarterback. So fingers crossed that he can be competent. But Kayvon Lee is a guy that I'm seeing in, I mean, I've done now, I, this is my second mock I'm doing for Debbie Watch. Uh, I'm in the eighth round and he isn't gone yet. And I don't understand that because I, I honestly see shades of a guy like Todd Gurley in him. Do I think he's ever going to be that full full stock like can catch every pass guy? No, he's probably in like he's probably going to be a two down type of guy that they leave on the field a third of the time for third down because he's capable of just sliding out and catching one or two passes. No. They also uh, 
I, I, it's hard to say. I, I'm a big fan of his. Like I said, I typically like guys to go over six yards per carry. If his efficiency stays sub five for another year, I'll probably have to admit that he's not Todd Gurley. So fingers crossed that he can uh, up that efficiency a little bit as the team gets a little bit better. So yeah, he he's kind of one of my guys, uh, my lower rated guys in the 2023 class that I'm getting for free at the moment. Yeah, someone I'm excited for um, transferred from uh, Tennessee. Who you've already mentioned him once. Uh, maybe you can you probably know more about him than I do, actually, Matt. But I'm excited for Ty Chandler. Um, I know he's old, but I think him going to UNC, where there is just a massive gaping hole in their running back room, having two guys leave um, both thousand yard rushers in Williams and Carter taken off for the NFL. And Ty Chandler is just ready and waiting to take over that running back spot. He's going to produce. He's going to put up numbers. He's going to have a good year. That offense, yeah, they're losing a lot of players, but they're returning their offensive line. They're returning their quarterback. I think he's going to ball out. I think he's going to have an incredible year. And I think, you know, we talk about running backs a lot with their short shelf life, but it's usually getting to that second contract. Like he's, he's, you know, old for a rookie maybe, but he's still going to be younger than Mark Ingram, who just signed a one year, three, $3 million deal with Houston. So like, to me, if, if he balls out, if he can produce like what we saw the running backs produce um, in North Carolina, I think he's going to have um, a lot of, val- um, a lot of growth in his value this year. So give me Ty Chandler for free and, uh, and I'll, I'll be happy with it, you know? So um, what do you think about that one? I mean, you're a Tennessee fan. Is, is that crazy of me? No, I'm huge on Ty Chandler right now. Um, you know, Ty Chandler has always just been there. <laughs> like from a Tennessee perspective, he's not the flashiest player. He's not the sexiest player. He, but he comes on the, he comes onto the field and he always moves the ball forward. He always gets the job done. And I think there's something to be said that he has pretty much held, you know, somewhere in that 40 to 50% of the rushing volume on the Vols roster since he got on campus. So I don't think Ty Chandler is super special of a runner in any way. Uh, but I think he's a good runner. I think he's a solid runner. And I'm probably going to say something a little controversial here, but like, I don't think either of the UNC backs that tore it up this year were super special backs either. I'm not, you know, on the Javante Williams hype train and, and I like Michael Carter, but I think he's fine. So for me, if I see those two guys combined for 2,500 yards in what, like 6,000 touchdowns. <laughs> now I think it was like 40 something touchdowns then I'm like, Ty Chandler can get his, right? And even if Ty Chandler just gets his on that field and gets a portion, even if he splits with the next guy up, you know, the next young guy up for UNC, his his fantasy football value is going to at least push him to like a second or third round rookie pick. And right now he's yeah. free. I mean, nobody nobody's paying anything for Ty Chandler. So buy low, buy super low and sell just low. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like turn a profit. It's like buying penny stocks. You know, this is like your stock that is barely at a dollar, you know, on the market right now, you know, just flip it for $2 in a year, whatever it's free. Who's your next guy that you want to talk about, Matt? I'm going to butcher his name, but uh, Jacorvius, 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 Jacorvius yeah, Marks fine. out of Mississippi state. And uh, again, this is a situation fit. Uh, Mike, Mike Leach's air raid offense, you know, he hits the ground. He's 5'10", 195. He hits the ground with 60 receptions, uh, only for 268 yards, but he gets 60 receptions as a true freshman. 
uh, 312 yards on the ground. Uh, listen, <laughs> Max Borgie is bad. Okay. Right. But people love Max Borgie because he pops in the stats. And if Max, if Mike Leach can make Max Borgie the hotness in Devi, then you can buy Marks and, and you could let him be the hotness in Devi for you next year. And again, you don't always have to love the way they translate to the NFL. You're just going to take advantage of the fact that he could very easily turn into the next flashy thing and then you flip him. So that's for me, that's like looking for opportunity, knowing scheme, knowing situation and knowing there's nobody else really at Mississippi State that is going to pull enough volume away from Marks. And remember, like Leach really, I mean, he like cleaned out that team after three games last year. So Marks wasn't even, you know, getting his full shot. He can easily go over a hundred receptions uh, in, in 2021. So I think the the metrics are going to really like Marks and you should take advantage of that. I really liked Borgie. <laughs> I like passing. I really I like Kylan Hill. Guy. I will but. say I really liked him from a sense of like, he was a good, he was a good all around back, but honestly, I, even me, I watched his stock start flying up last year and I was like, I'm not paying that for Max Borgie, but I liked him when he was super cheap and I could get him for the same price. I got Jermar Jefferson and I have both. So I'm cool with it. Um, this one was a little bit of a troll because I'm a troll, but another player I like is true freshman at the university of Miami who was on the uh, abandoned Tennessee train, Cody Brown. Um, I, it, it, this is it's half troll. It's half serious. I like big running backs who were productive in high school. And he was a guy that Ohio state for a little while was considering. And Honestly, when we were pushing, we got to hate myself for that. When Ohio <laughs> State was pushing for him, um, he was a guy that I said, huh, well, if we can't land the super duper star, Cody Brown is a guy that I really like. He had three straight seasons in high school where he rushed for over 1,500 yards. He had two seasons to where he had over 20 touchdowns. He averaged more than, 100 and some, more than 120 yards per game each of those three years. And he played some on varsity as a true freshman or as a freshman, I guess you don't say true freshman in high school, but whatever, I just did. Uh, and he has a little bit of receiving chops um, at a game when high school, high schools don't necessarily know how to utilize running backs in the passing game unless they're essentially a wide receiver. So the fact that you're seeing a guy who is six foot tall, 225, going into a Miami program that, I mean, they've got guys, but as much as I like a guy like Knighton, I don't think Knighton's ever going to be a full bell cow back. And when Harris is gone, there is going to be an opportunity for Brown to really make an impact there. So honestly, I wish he had gone to UCF. If he was at UCF, I really, he might be the starting back there this season, but going to Miami, fingers crossed that Miami team isn't a complete dumpster fire. Uh, But I I do like him and I think he's going to be an interesting player to watch. And He's another one of those guys that campus to Canton drafts uh, really, really I, in a startup one I'm doing right now. I will, for perspective, I'm doing a startup. I got him at the 10th pick of the 27th round of my startup uh, startup. So I am uh, very happy with that. So yeah, <laughs> it's not a full troll. It's just a kind of troll. Semi. It's just a semi. <laughs> It hurts just the same. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, the guy I want to talk about, uh, Frank Ladson Jr., uh, wide receiver for Clemson. 
he struggled with injury this year, this past season. And I know he did not put up great numbers um, for his career. I mean, he he's going to be a junior in his two seasons. He's only combined for 27 receptions for a little over 400 yards and only six touchdowns. So, so nothing great, but I think the fact that he is um, probably right now, the cheapest wide receiver for Clemson and that, that offense is not going to take a step back. Yes. They're losing one of the greatest quarterbacks, um, of our generation in college. I don't know if that's true, but I'm just going to say it because it sounds good. But DJU is right there. Um, in my opinion, he'll be able to step in and be able to deliver the football to all the wide receivers. I am not nervous about the the passing game at Clemson. And Frank uh, Ladson being the, the cheapest one, um, I'm excited for it. He's a former four-star um, recruit. He had a 98 composite score. I think he was a seventh wide receiver um, ranked in the country that year. So I'm excited for him. I think he's going to have a huge year um, being fully healthy. And I think he's one of those guys who we're going to see just skyrocket up draft boards. Um, and I'd love to have a couple shares. So uh, Frank Ladson going a little later than I think he should. Uh, so, so, you know, between Marvin Mims and, and Ladson, I'm going to be set for a long time at the wide receiver position. <laughs> He's a good pivot player. Um, I think if there, I think Nagata still has a little bit higher ceiling. I think that Justin Ross obviously has a higher ceiling. Um, but EJ's even honestly, one ahead of him too. Like I just think he's so yeah. deep right now. Yeah, yeah. And I will say he is not. If I'm going to pivot on a Clemson wide receiver, I think I'm going to prefer um, a dude that's a little bit more freak, freaky athlete wise, and that's Aju Aju. Yeah. Um, I think he is the super duper cheap guy that will start to see the field a decent amount this year. And honestly, it's a little bit of the new hotness for me. Like I, as much as Ladson is, has some upside, I don't think we're going to get like a Terrace Marshall type breakout from him. Like, I don't think you're going to see they've had him on campus now for a while. And I do think that he's going to make some type of an impact to the team, but I don't think we're going to get a guy that all of a sudden now that um, there's a new regime at quarterback, there's, um, he he's like really established. I, I don't think you're just going to see him become a dude that has a, like a really high dominator rating or anything that really pushes his draft capital up. So at that point, if you're going to pivot, maybe pivot to an EJ Williams, who is still relatively inexpensive um, and has a little bit of field stretching ability, or you go with a, a dude like I'm doing Aju Aju, who is free and, yeah, if I'm going lotto ticket, I'm going full, like I'm getting the dollar lotto ticket that can win me a million bucks. So that's, that's my mindset. And I, I mean, either way, I, I don't, I, I, I think Vladson is a good pick. I just, he's not a guy that I'm looking at anymore. Well, fine, Matt, fine. I, <laughs> I, I, I was all in on him last yeah. year. I told you about it. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll see. I, I think, I think you make good points. I just, I, I still believe I six, three, 200 pounds boy can run. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, no, that's good. Uh, we're right about an hour and a half, which is, you know, we like to say we are about an hour long, but we're always at an hour and a half. So that's good. Um, Matt, it was awesome having you join us today. We're going to have to do this again. It was fun going through some Debbie stuff. We have, um, yeah, we have a lot coming up. Um, I'm excited, man. I'm ready for, for some, some Debbie drafts to, to get started. I'm in a, right now I'm just finishing up my first free agent auction. Um, and Debbie's right around the corner. So it's good to be listening in, good to be getting different perspectives. I appreciate, um, yeah, just having a different, a different voice kind of telling us, you know, 
a new way of looking at things or a different way of looking at things. Um, and man, Jaden Daniels, let's go. We thought we were high on him, but man, you came in here bringing the heat. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Um, anything, uh, why don't you remind everyone kind of w- where they can find your stuff, how they can get a hold of you, all that good stuff. Yeah. Thanks fellas. This was a blast to jump on here and do. I'm on Twitter at the FF underscore educator. Uh, this is busy season, like I mentioned, so kind of doing a lot, but you know, we've been talking through the ranks and the big boards and stuff like that. And, and that's all patreon.com slash the FF educator. And, and I put out my rookie big board, uh, Debbie ranks, dynasty ranks and cornerstone ranks for just three bucks a month. So I try to make it pretty accessible and, you know, just trying to open up the game of Debbie as much as possible to more folks. So, um, you know, that's probably the most uh, relevant spot in terms of what we talked about today. But, you know, of course, si.com slash NFL slash draft uh, is kind of where all the, the main written content goes out. And I'll throw those links in the show doc. Jerk face, any, anything, to, uh, anything to say to the good listeners before we sign off? Bye, Chris Alave. Bye, Chris Alave. All right, guys, thank you so much. We'll be back with you um, in no time at all. Enjoy March Madness. Let's go, Vikings! Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters, the more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.